So the news came out today, announced by Brian Harson, something that I think those of us who cover the program were expecting for a little while, uh, but having it officially confirmed uh, was was pretty tough to hear. Uh, Nick Brahms uh, has retired uh, from football. He will not play for Auburn this season. His college career is o- over. Um, for those of you who might not have been super aware during fall camp, um, there came a point right before the first scrimmage, I think it was around then, where Brahms was just not out there anymore. And we're asked, you know, not to report on who's there and who's not uh, for practices. It's just kind of the thing. It's, it's one of Harson's things. And we've always been like, okay, we'll, we'll do with it in exchange for, honestly, the, the really good access we get here. Um, but if coaches talk about a guy being out, you know, that, that changes things. Um, and then, you know, there was confirmation around the second scrimmage that Brahms had not been out there. Um, and we had not, if you were at the open practice on Saturday, you probably saw him in street clothes uh, off to the side. He has not been practicing for the last couple of weeks. And when he first was absent, I had heard whispers that, yeah, this is probably going to be it for him. Um, he had an operation on his knee uh, at some point in the summer trying to clean up some stuff. Seems like he still struggled with that on the way back. And uh, in Brian Harson's words, he had the injury going into the bowl game and came back, and he's just not there physically to be out there and to go out there and play and really play at the level he wants to play at. Nick has been at every practice. He's helped our players out. He has helped the O-line out. He will continue to keep doing that. We're so very proud of him just for his efforts. One thing I told him is that football ends. It always does. It's just usually not on our timeline that we want. He, his future is bright. He's going to help this football team, and we are looking forward to it. So, tough blow for Auburn. From a strictly football sense, you know, and, and we'll talk about it later in, in the episode, you bring in a guy, you know, your most experienced offensive lineman is not going to be playing for you this year. And Auburn has been preparing for this possibility for the last few weeks. So it's not coming to a surprise as them, uh, not as a surprise to them. Um, and we'll talk Tate Johnson. We'll talk about all that. I, you know, I, I have a, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, I have a newsletter if you're a subscriber about the offensive line on Tuesday morning. But um, just from, I don't know, it, it, personally, I wanted to talk about Brahms because um, <laughs> he's, been a, he's been a guy that I have been connected to for a while now. Um, I, <laughs> two jobs ago, that's how far back it was. Um, me and, uh, me and Ben Wolk went down to Navarre, uh, where he was coming off of a, a major injury in high school, uh, and talked to him for a feature kind of a series we were doing at, at that employer. Um, and I just, from the very beginning, I thought, you know, he was always really cool to talk to, uh, his family, his great family, um, and Brahms, I mean, got, how many injuries he had at Auburn was insane. He again, like I said, he came into uh, his career coming off of a uh, Scott's career coming off of a really bad injury. And I got the sense that this off season, he he tried, he tried as hard as he could to to come back and play for another year, because you know he could have been done, man. Like he's got, he's going to be a pilot, um, following in the footsteps of his dad. Um, he's got a really good career lined up now that football's over. Um, and this was a super senior season. TJ Finley talked about begging him uh, over breakfast at, uh, at another broken egg here in town, like begging him, like, come back, you know, come back. We need you. And 
he gave it a go, and there were complications, and now it's done. Um, but just a brutal end to you know a, a career where um, uh, he, I, I just again from the football from the non football sense, he was always a dude that was really uh, really cool to talk to. Uh, and, uh, just, a, just a really good player to cover. And, you know, there's a lot of those at Auburn. Um, but you know, Brahms being around for as long as he did, um, uh, a guy who spoke to the media as much as he did, cause he was in a leadership role on, on his team for such a long time. Um, he's going to be missed, uh, around these parts, but, um, yeah, man, I mean, hats off to hats off to Brahms on a, on, on the end of his football career. Nobody wanted it to be this way, obviously. Uh, but, um, yeah, salute to him, man. It was it, it's a brutal ending to you know what I thought um, was a fun fun time you know covering him right here at Auburn. We salute our soldier, and I'm glad he's about to get that bag. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brahms again started talk. I mean, talked to him. It's either end of I think it was the end of the 2016. Yeah, it was like the end of 2016 was the first time I ever talked to him uh, in person. Um, some of you may remember in the 2020 season uh, when uh, I asked him a question uh, during a press co- during a zoom press conference about running the ball he meant he recognized me and uh, me- mentioned uh, hashtag established it which was pretty funny and I'll always I'll always thank him for that um, that you know uh, he was he was part of the he was part of the hive painter you know Brahms was Brahms was part of the hive he was you know shouting out establish it during a press conference like this this dude was this dude was about it um, and uh, yeah just always always a really good dude to talk to and uh, I think you got it you hit the nail on the head there it's like not everybody is going to be able to be done with football even if you go to college uh, and, and go through go through your studies and like be able to step into a really good situation after it but. He he's going to be in that spot, and uh, according to TJ Finley, he's going to be flying his private jet one day. So that's that, that's going to be helpful. TJ with some insightful quotes today. Uh, not yeah. to get too off track here, but I wouldn't mind it if TJ had a had a private jet because I would say things would be going pretty well even without Nick Brahms if that's the case. It would be. It, it would be. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it here in a moment. But like Finley confidence and that's not always something you could have said about him last year and he, he would he'd be the first one to admit that um we'll see what auburn's future looks like at center but man t- uh, nick Brahms has held it down for quite some time i mean he was the there was obviously dismukes and then you had the uh you know you had the the stretch with um with uh casey Caleb dunn Kim. oh i forgot Caleb about casey Kim. dunn Jeez. yeah and then, uh, but Brahms has been holding it down for quite some time, and that is a big loss for Auburn uh, in a football sense. Uh, but I think the good news for this team is that, and that offensive line, those those younger guys who are having to step into some key roles this year, um, is that he'll be around. And um, you know, it, it probably could be easy to say, "Hey, I'm not playing. All right, peace, <laughs> y'all. I'm gonna be gone." But he's he's stayed around, man. He's kind of served as like a like an additional uh, offensive line coach here these last few weeks, and. They're going to roll that in. So, uh, yeah, one more time. Salute to Nick Brahms on a really uh, on, on, on his career at Auburn. And, uh, yeah, thanks thanks from, uh, thanks from a media guy uh, for uh, always being uh, so good with your time. And, um, yeah, best of luck. Hopefully, hopefully one day I'll be, uh, you know, in a plane that you pilot if, uh, if that Delta job works out. 
We believe in Delta here on the observe. I don't know. Are you a Delta? Oh guy? yeah, absolutely. I grew up ninety minutes from that uh, that airport. We we stand Delta even if I was born. I was born in Atlanta. I know Delta's problems, and I but I still I was still Delta is going to be my number one choice. Yeah, where I am now, you know, we don't have the hub, so I'm I'm always shooting glances at these sickos over here. They're not riding Delta. Delta sponsor the Observer. That would be a big bag to get. To get. We need that airport. We need that airline money. Honestly, I just want a voucher. I don't even need y'all to give me that much money. I just, I love airport beers, but I hate paying for them. There you go. There you go. Help paint her out. You're about to fly soon, aren't you? Yeah, I'm going to uh, D.C. this weekend, and then I'll be in uh, I'll be in Auburn in October. Yeah, so Painter's about to be a traveling man again. And um, oh, by the way, while we're while we're on that subject. Painter's not going to be on the next free podcast you hear. Our recap of Mercer, he will not be there. But we have lined up a substitute for him uh, that we're bringing back on the podcast that we're really excited about. So you'll miss Painter's voice, but we've I, I would say, I would dare say Better. someone. Well, I was going to say someone at your level in terms of the pipes uh, going to come in and, and, and fill your spot. So I'm excited about that. Legendary stuff from this man. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the late weekend edition. We kind of pushed it back a little bit today uh, because it's week zero slash week one. Um, so sorry for the delay for those of you listening on the free feed, but um, we're back. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama, Painter Sharpless in parts unknown, ready to take off in a plane at any moment. How are you? All the more reason you should be subscribing. You would have gotten that podcast, as many of you did. You, if you would have subscribed from the last free one we've had to now, we've done three. We've had three podcasts. We had the premium one uh, late last week. Uh, we had the bonus episode on, on um, Alan Green. So if you want to know our thoughts on the Alan Green uh, departure and what's next for Auburn, subscribe. We did about like 45 minutes on that. Uh, you can check that out. And then also... Uh, on Monday, uh, Dave, Pablo, and Painter uh, did their latest episode of Friends of the Program that you can check out as well. A lot of the news going on with Auburn and then setting up for the season. So if you like this podcast and you want more of it, the best way to do is subscribe to The Observer, $6 a month or $60 a year. Gets you access. We also The uh, the free trials are back up for seven days, by the way. Uh, we, we turned those off. Because it was so, it was weird it was some weird little thing whenever you were on a sale like it doesn't do the trials correctly, um, so those are back up now if you want to give us a shot. But it's all your podcast you can you can get. We are here to so okay all right a little housekeeping from the beginning. Um, so for those of you who haven't been with us during football seasons before, these podcasts that we do on the weekend we've been doing them on Mondays in the off season. Today's on Tuesday. However. You can look for the podcast to come out on Sunday afternoon after football games. Um, that will be our recap edition. Those will always be free, or uh, the free recap edition uh, where we run down the previous game uh, and uh, just give our analysis on the podcast side. Um, those will be on Sunday afternoons. We will do a premium podcast uh, episode either on Thursdays or Fridays previewing the next game uh, on the schedule for Auburn. So 
That one for this week will come out on Thursday. Painter and I will do a preview podcast about the Mercer game. We will talk about that more in detail. This podcast specifically is going to be, since since this is kind of the, it's not a preview podcast yet, but it's also a game week podcast, we are going to talk about the depth chart that was released. We're going to go through it. We're going to go through all of it, the two deep that Auburn released uh, on, um, on, on Tuesday, or on Monday afternoon, sorry, uh, about, uh, for the week one game uh, between Auburn and Mercer. And uh, like I said, uh, probably won't touch too much on the Allen Green situation. We, we'll get into TJ Finley, obviously, here. But, again, if you want to listen to our thoughts on that, we put them out on Friday afternoon right after that news dropped. And you can go listen to that if you are a subscriber. All right, here we go. Let's talk. TJ Finley QB1. This was formally announced on Sunday afternoon. It was first reported at ESPN, confirmed by everybody else. But as Brian Harson said, anybody who's been watching practice over the last couple of weeks knew what was about to happen. TJ Finley said, yeah, I think we all knew it, um, but it was just to get that confirmation officially. Auburn is going forward with Finley as QB1, and it's really interesting. You know, I wrote a – newsletter on Monday morning for those of you who are subscribed about Robbie Ashford. I, I still think Robbie Ashford is going to get involved on, on Saturday against Mercer. However, after hearing Harson on Monday afternoon, I, I'm less certain of it than I was before. I still think it's going to happen, but maybe not as big. Harson kept saying, you know, our plan is for TJ. He's going to get the majority of the reps. He's going to be the main focus of ours. But he also mentioned that the other quarterbacks, Robbie Ashford and also Zach Calzada, got to get plugged into the game plan, got to be ready, be prepared, and all that. But Finley's going to be the guy. He is going to get the majority of the reps moving forward with the first team. Um, they want to focus in on getting him and that first team offense ready to go. Like we said, Panter, this is always going to happen. I know you guys talked about TJ on Friends of the Program, uh, but – this was this was always coming, and uh, now that it's here, it's like okay. Now it's time to launch into the season um, because there's a lot of different opinions about TJ Finley, both locally and nationally. Doesn't really matter. We're about to have actual games and actual results. All the talking is going to be about to be done, and we're going to see one way or another how much better TJ Finley has gotten this season because the quarterback that ended the year last year for Auburn. It's going to be a rough year if that's the same quarterback play they get, um, you know, in the 2022 season. But there are plenty of reasons to believe he's not going to be the exact same quarterback. Uh, and uh, both Brian Harson and himself, uh, TJ Finley, talked about that uh, on, on Monday. We've talked about why it is that Auburn fans are rightfully skeptical about improvement at a number of positions, yep. but in particular quarterback. And so it did perk my ears up that Brian Harson went out of his way to point out that, yes, it is possible for quarterbacks to get better at Auburn. It has just been a minute since it's happened at Auburn, right? What, are we and, talking about Nick Marshall? Is that the best-case scenario for one and year, I would, one and year, I would, two? And I would argue that Bo Nix got better under Brian Harson sure. last year, you know, but, again, it's year-to-year year under this staff. Um, yeah, the thing with T.J. Finley is I think confidence is going to be a big thing for him. And this dude, if you got a chance to listen to the press conference or watch the videos, they're, they're up. You know, A lot of folks who cover this team put those, put those videos up on YouTube. You can go find them. Um, Finley exuded a lot of confidence. I mean, that's, you know, I hate when people are talking about, like, 
who won the press conference? And like, it's like, okay, it doesn't matter <laughs> until you actually like play. Like, you know, that's what's more important, not what they tell us. But no, I thought, I thought Finley's press conference on Monday was, was really impressive. Um, he really talked and, and carried and was, as, was honest, very honest about like saying like, Hey, I, I didn't think I was mentally or physically ready for that for, to be the starter last year. Um, but I was the backup and I had to be, and he's like, I, you know, I had to go in this off season and get there. I had to find out all the ways I needed to get mentally better, to get physically better so that he could win that job. Because I mean, he admitted it also that like, Getting in two transfer quarterbacks put a ton of pressure on him. A lot of people counted this dude out, right? And I didn't – I personally didn't fully count him out, but I probably would have given him the third best odds to win this job. Really heading into fall camp probably. And he just – he he stayed in front. He stayed in front. He he never yeah. relinquished that top spot. I thought his best option was backup. Right. And it shows how much we know and it shows how much – I think this dude has taken a step forward as a quarterback. I think the big thing for him, again, confidence and just the mental side is very big, for, very, very big for any college football player, but very, very, very big for quarterbacks. And he was talking about how, like, it's it, it's a complete difference when you're the emergency guy getting thrown into the fire, which he's done twice now, and what that going through that's like compared to. As he said, they roll out the carpet for you from game one and say, hey, you're the guy. And, like, I think if any if any one of us would put ourselves in T.J. Finley's shoes, I think we would all think very differently. If you had a role and it was like, well, this isn't your job, this isn't this isn't what you're supposed to do, whether it's in sports or whatever, um, but you're going to have to do it because you're the only one who can do it, how is your mindset going into the going into that compared to that same job later? It's like, no, you're the guy. You're, you're, you're the guy, you're the girl, you're, you're it. Like, this is your, this is your pick. We need you to do this. And we have the confidence in you to do that. Naturally, that's going to change something. Naturally, that's going to flip a switch in your brain. And I think that's what we've seen from Finley in fall camp. I think, I think one of the things on the field that you're going to see a difference in TJ Finley for, uh, from is his ability to run and evade and scramble. I asked him about that at the press conference on Monday. He said I he, he lost some baby weight, as he called it. He's about a, about 250, 249 yet now. He was playing closer to 260 last year, um, which, I mean, he's 6'7", uh, so that carries that weight a little differently than what 260 would look like on most of us. Um, but uh, he said he watched a lot of Joe Burrow, specifically the 2019 SEC title game, and said, like, you know, a lot of those plays he made to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson is evading pressure and, you know, dialing it, dialing it up downfield. Um, and last year, one of the things that Finley was rightly criticized for is that he didn't move enough in the pocket. He didn't get himself out of danger. Um, he wasn't quick enough with his reading and his reacting. And I think from what Brian Harson has said, from what Eric Kesaw has said, what we've heard from his teammates about him, what we've heard about Finley himself, I think that like processing, quicker reactions, I think that's going to be the improvement. I, if you were there on the Saturday practice, the open practice on Saturday, and I talked about it in the observations uh, from them, he 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 made some plays on the run uh, when the pressure broke down, and I mean Auburn's first team defense was getting after it. He he could he could escape and 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 make some more than what we saw him do last year. Now I don't think he's going to be a guy that you want to be the 
pure running quarterback, but I think he's better at doing the evading and the improvising that you just have to have to play quarterback in the modern level. Like it's, it's impossible to be a dude who just stands in the pocket and fires passes and doesn't run. You have to be like the only guys who do that in the NFL now are like Tom Brady and Brady and Brady throws the ball as soon as he catches it. Right. Like, Think about all the other really good quarterbacks in the league that you like. Like at so, they all at some level are either running Pat quarterbacks, Mahomes, or, Josh Allen, uh, Kyler Murray, uh, who are and Dak guys like Prescott. Herbert. Right? Yeah, um, Herbert's not. We don't think Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, no, Rodgers is a good example. Like he's older, but he still moves around yeah. the pocket. He still extends. Plays. I've always, I've always thought, I've always thought uh, Matt Ryan. Should get a little bit more credit for how he can kind of manage things. Again, not a fast quarterback by any means. But, yeah, like, unless you're a dude who's catching and throwing immediately, you got to have some mobility. Um, And so for Finley, it's can you take that step forward? Can you be that kind of mobile guy? Because you might not get it as much in this first week, but you need to be able to escape because this offensive line is not going to be the most secure thing in the world because of the changes they've had to make this offseason. That's just – think anybody can see that but in the case of Robbie Ashford you have an advantage because he can run um and so I think Finley's gonna try to do some more of that I think he's going to prove that he's got that that in his bag uh so to speak and I I again I think the big thing for him is just gonna be his accuracy it's gonna be his he's got arm talent man dude fires it Uh, whoever the guy was that I quote tweeted on Monday who I, you know, there were people replying to me. They're like, he missed the read wide open read down in the middle of the field. And I was like, I, all I was doing is just pointing out the nickname is cool. And it's big Ponchatoula, which is a great nickname. Um, it, it has to be said. Uh, yeah. The, the reading, the processing, like that needs to get better. And everybody who's screaming for that. Yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. This dude's got a, I mean, he's huge. He's got a really big arm. I think even last year, even in, in the struggles, one of the things about him is like he made some wild throws at times. It's just got to be consistent, right? So I don't think anybody's doubting the dude's arm talent. They, they're doubting his ability to be consistent with it. And then just like the, the, the mental side and the processing side of being a quarterback. Not saying he's not a smart kid because uh, you have to be to play quarterback at any level. But it's like can you do it? And as he said, he wasn't mentally ready, he, he thought, last season uh, in terms of processing and getting ready to go. When you hear Brian Hartson say he's gotten so much better uh, at you know running the offense and, and being the leader there, you feel better about that. The accuracy question, though, I think it was Brian Matthews uh, of Rivals who had a really good question to Harson and said, um, you know, last year – see, last year his, uh, his accuracy was 54.7%. Um, did he look better in camp? And he said, yeah. Harson says, yeah, it was better. You hope your quarterbacks are above that, right? You want to be in 60-plus percentage. You start looking at the stats and all those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, what, what what kind of completions are you getting? Practice is different than the games. He starts talking about just the quality of your completions, the type of throws that you're making. After the first scrimmage, I remember Harson saying there were some like accuracy questions about TJ and some short, and we've seen it. I think TJ's been the most consistent thrower of the ball of the three quarterbacks we have seen in practices uh, and, and scrimmages on the whole. But, you know, he's he, – I'm not saying he's, you know, Peyton Manning out there right now. You know, he's not 
I don't think I don't think he's going to go out there and put up like the Baker Mayfield and and um, you know Kyler Murray like insane completion percentage numbers. But he's got to be better. He's got to be above that sixty percent mark. That was something that I know everybody was wanting to finally see out of Bo Nix, and it's you got to take that step forward there. So it's that's my big question. And I don't know how much you're going to get tested of that these first couple of weeks, but that third week, you better put some balls on on target, and you you got to be in that range where you are against good competition, completing 60, 65, 70 percent of your passes, because if not, it's going to be hard for you to win. And so I think you're going to see a more mobile Finley. I think you're going to see a quicker like quicker instincts and and like all that that side uh, of it, the quarterback play. I personally, me just talking here right now on August 29th wonder how much better he's going to be as a quarterback in terms of his accuracy the wide receivers will help in that regard if they've taken a step forward i think he'll be better but it's how much better because from where he where he was operating last season you've got to be decently better if you want this auburn team to win seven eight nine games this season and and improve and and show you know that this is a this is an offense and this is a system worth buying into for the future it is a seemingly obvious thing to point out but if we can get one of the two units, offensive line or wide receiver, to be better than it was last year. I think it makes Finley's job so much easier, right? Yeah. Like if the and offensive would, lines – go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, and I would say – and you can continue your point after this. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I would say for me personally, wide receiver has got a better chance of doing that than offensive yeah. line, but continue. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I felt like at times, you know, I think even in like the Texas A&M game last year, which was not a great game for anyone on offense, to be fair. But, like, I think they had to call a timeout because people weren't lined up properly, if I remember that correctly. A ton of drops. Yeah. Drops were an issue. I think they were top three in the league in drops. Guys weren't really getting open. I mean, there's, like we said, there's like six guys that you're like, all right, I don't know if all six of you are going to be able to get it done, but can two or three of you get it done? Mm-hmm. I, I tend to think so. Yeah. Yeah, and if it if that happens, I think you're going to see a bigger difference in the passing game for Auburn. I think Bo Nix, you know, created a lot for you. I don't think Finley's going to be able to create quite as much with his legs. You know, you've got to have improvement at wide receiver. And I've said, you know, people have asked how much have my has my opinion on this team changed this month in in in, in fall camp, and I would say overall, still think this is about a seven and five team. I think if things click, they can go higher than that. I think there is potential if things go south, injuries. Um, you lose you know, a couple of close games, just like you did last year. Right. It could go. It could go south. Um, that's it's, that's Auburn football. Uh, but I will say the one position group, the one thing about Auburn that I feel a lot better about now than I did at the beginning of the month is the wide receivers. I think I Killyard has done really good work with those guys. I think the fact, and we'll talk about it here in a second, the fact that you see several guys who have not played big roles on this team in these roles in these spots shows you like hey they've got new guys like they've got new talent in and they're getting them ready to go like there has been an upgrade here it's not just like well you brought in a really good uh, you know wide receivers coach and they got more out of the guys you already had you're seeing new names you're seeing um you're seeing other guys kind of step up and make those make those plays that could be the difference right and we'll see also I mean same coach but like offensive line you don't have the same group that you had last year in a number of ways, especially now with Brom's gone. That could either sink you, that could either make you, and I know for a lot of Auburn fans, makes it even more um, pessimistic. You have a more negative view about the offensive line now, which I get, I understand that. 
Um, but it's like, all right, did they find the right combination where you where you say, well, the new guys they're plugging in there, can they be the difference makers? Can they help you get from get to a higher level? Like, there's always that that room for hope, right? Because experience isn't everything uh, in on the offensive line. However, uh, it does help a lot, and uh, Auburn's gonna have to have to change some things up there for sure. All right, let us run down the depth chart. We'll start with offense. We'll take a we'll take a break, and then we'll go defense and special teams. Uh, we just said it. T.J. Finley, Robbie Ashford, one and two at, at quarterback. I'm interested to see where Ashford figures into this. Um, I still think he's going to be involved a little bit more than than maybe Harson and company are letting on early. But I also see a ton of value in saying, "Hey, T.J. Finley is our guy. We're going to try to arm him with, with as much confidence go, going forward as there is." Zach Calzada, not in the two deep. I don't know if anybody would have banked on that. There are people I work with that don't care at all about Auburn football, and they're like, what is going on with Zach Calzada? And I think ultimately not going through spring fully put him behind. And when you hear coaches talk about bringing him along and and still having to work with him on that, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. Um, But I think – I think Finley's progress and what Ashford's able to do as a dual threat combined with the fact that those guys got a head start on him um, in the offense, like running it fully, made a bigger difference than we all thought it would be. And, I mean, I've, I've watched Calzada with my own eyes quite a bit this month, and there are days where he looks like the best quarterback out there, and there are days where he really struggles. And I think you saw more consistent, much more consistency out of Finley and I think Ashford's got that, as I wrote about on Monday, he's got that level of mystique because we haven't seen him play in the college game yet. And then also the running ability, you can't really get a full gauge of that in fall camp because you're not hitting the dude. Um, but I've said it a bunch of times this past week, when it or past couple of weeks, when it seemed like Calzada just wasn't going to be the guy. Um, it was more than likely going to be the third guy. He's got to stay ready. For Auburn, like you know, Auburn, Auburn really could use him staying locked in. And from what I've been able to see and gather, it's that's kind of been the case for him in practices. But like, he's an injury; he's a bad drop and play for maybe having to be counted on. Uh, but I think it, I think it says something that both Finley and Calzada were in very similar situations, thrown into the fire. Calzada had more experience, um, you know, got had more starts last year, but thrown into the fire. Calzada had a little bit better numbers at AM. Definitely had better numbers when you do like adjusted completion percentage and had the awesome game against Alabama. Um, but I think it says a lot that even in that situation, Finley was still able to stay ahead. And I personally think that says more about TJ Finley than it does negatively about Zach Calzada. But I can see where people are, would lean to the latter. Let me divert briefly. Do you have any opinion about Chris Lowe getting the story first? I don't know. I don't know who told him. That's the thing. It's like I think it's I think it's tough because like you kind of felt like Harson going back to what he said at SC Media Days, like they wanted to roll it out the right way, they wanted to handle it correctly, but like somebody told the guy. I don't know who. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm speculating, so that's yeah. that's my role. It's here. somebody who knew. It's like that's the thing. It's like it's somebody new. And again, not a surprise. 
Not anything we were going to be... Well, as we said, it would be a surprise to people who haven't been paying attention, and I can understand why you might write Auburn off and not pay attention, so you check in a few weeks later and you go, huh, they prioritized a transfer and he's a third-string guy? Well, and then that's the thing. It's like the the, the national college football reporter is reporting for a national audience where they're going to be... Like, there were probably a lot of people on Sunday being like, whoa, Finley still got that job? That's crazy. And it's like, if you're an Auburn fan and you've read anything the last few weeks, you knew this was coming. Brian Harson said as much. TJ Finley said as much on Monday. You knew this was coming. But again, I think it's a little different when it's a guy from ESPN because he's not just reporting for Auburn fans, right? Um, but no, I don't I don't really have any sort of opinion. I think I think Auburn would have preferred <laughs> if um, I think I'll say this. I think the majority of people at Auburn would have preferred, you know, they get to kind of control that, but it's not how it goes. I mean, you go back to uh, – yeah, I'm not a reporter, man. Like, I don't have I don't have the inside scoop and all the sorts of that. But, like, go back to go back to the thing that happened the other day with, uh, with Alan Green. I, all right, I'll be honest. Like, I heard from somebody that I trust about a lot of stuff at Auburn. Never steered me wrong heard from that person on Friday morning, hey, something might be coming down about Allen later today. Just be be on the lookout. And I can never get a second, per, like, you know, in your report, you want to have multiple sources on it. Um, you want to do it responsibly. And that's what the vast majority of people who, who report do. Not taking shots at anybody, especially not anybody here uh, at Auburn. But, you know, like 10, 20 minutes before the new the news officially dropped from the university. Pete Thamel had it. And it's like I, you know, I don't <laughs> like I don't know where all this is coming from, right? And and I've always been very honest with people about what we do at the Observer. It's a lot more analysis, it's a lot more breakdowns, it's a lot more stuff like that because that has never been a strength of my game, and it's the strength of a lot of really good people's games, both here and around college football. But like, yeah, I, I would be fascinated to find out the real story of how Chris Lowe got that, right? And he's a pro, and he's been doing this for hundreds of years. It feels like at this point, <laughs> um, and he's really good. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying with Chris Lowe <laughs> oh, at all. I know, I know. He's just, he's just he's a better game I mean, for a while. Yeah, he's been in the game he, for, he, for a long say time. Say what you will, say what you will about national reporters who make me roll my eyes at times. There's a lot of them, but he's not at one the of same them. time. Like, yes, I mean, you know, you don't. You don't completely luck yourself into being one of the few national college football reporters at ESPN. Absolutely not. Um, but I would love to know the the story of that. And, and and a guy like him, you'll never find out because he's a pro, and that's what you're supposed to do. Uh, take Bigsby, Jarquez, Hunter, one two at running back. That's shocking, isn't it? I can't believe it. My my take on Jarquez is all right. Uh, we have talked almost none about him this offseason because everything right. <laughs> has been so quarterback-centric, and then the best player on your team is Tank Bigsby. So if you were yeah. going to talk about running back, it was always going to be from the standpoint of offensive and, line has to be better, yada, yada, yada. My and thought I, would is, say, I would say on top of that, I would say on top of that, if you weren't talking about Tank Bigsby, you were probably talking about Demari Austin. Yeah, he's the new, he's guy. The new guy. He, yeah, he's the new guy. So my thought is, do we have like a – a player in uh, Jarquez Hunter whose peak is like a a solid, very good player, will always be reliable, 
serves you as a second option or is he poised to take the jump and we're a year away from this so honestly it's a little bit of a fruitless endeavor but like how good can he be in year two when he is the second back and is he going to give us any evidence that next year it doesn't matter who's behind him he's going to be filling tanks void yeah, no, I think I think that rehearsal is now because I think Damari Austin is going to put up a really good effort in that. And I think, again, running back is one of those places where you can play as a true freshman right away uh, easier than probably any other position on the field. And I don't know if you've seen Jeremiah Cobb's numbers from the first two weeks at Catholic. He Folks, is, we love it. He's, he's tearing it up right now. Um, you know, I, I think uh, – I'll put it to you this way. You know, did Auburn fans – Again, 2013 is an extreme example, but did our fans of 2013 find stuff about Cameron Artis Payne to realize that, oh, he, this dude could be the dude in 14? I found like, that he, he has one of the nastiest cut moves in that Missouri SEC championship. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. And, yeah, he stuck around the league for a little while. So if that's what Jarquez Hunter wants to become, yeah, sign me up. I, I, I guess, like, you, if you want to be a really good team, if you want to be a really, really good team, you you have to have multiple running backs that can be the guy, right? Only one can be the lead dog, and it's so hard to keep up a really good rotation. But, like, I go back to, like, think about the most famous running back – think about the most famous backfields in Auburn history, right? Like, Cadillac and Ronnie. Like, you know, Ronnie was the number two, but Ronnie was really good. I think Ronnie was also – or was it Cadillac that was rookie of the year? Now I'm not getting my stuff straight. Cadillac was rookie of the year. You go back to the '80s. You think about the guys that shared the backfield with Bo Jackson and had their times. Like, like you want to have multiple guys um, to be the guy. I think Jarquez Hunter has what it takes to be the dude for Auburn in the future. I think Auburn is not going to rest on their laurels at all, and they're going to continue to do this thing where they bring in one awesome running back in per class. And Jarquez was the diamond in the rough during the the transitional year, where it's like, hey man, we need a running back. How about this dude? Like he looks real good. Um, and I don't, you know, the staff was like, I don't think people are recruiting this guy highly enough. He turns out to be a pretty good seal, at least early on last season. Then you go get a Demari Austin, then you are lining up for Jeremiah Cobb, and these are like blue chip elite running backs that you want to get. So, I mean, Jarquez said it earlier in, in camp. He said, I'm going to play more this year. And, and, and I tend to agree with him. Like, I think Auburn's going to run. Last year, Auburn threw the ball more than they ran the ball. It wasn't by much, but there were several games where it was significantly more than the other. Right, I think this the identity of this team is going to be running the football first and foremost. That's what they've said all off season. Tank can't do it alone, and you don't want you don't want Tank to get 25, 30, 30 carries a game. That's just not. I think that, Auburn that is, fans still have the sting of twenty seventeen to remind them about yeah. uh, why that is not an ideal scenario. You can be one of the best running backs in college football year in and year out, getting fifteen or twenty touches a game. I mean that's. That's more in line than what you see in the NFL. I go back to like Travis Etienne at uh, at Clemson and how he just maximized his opportunities. Um, so I, I think Hunter's going to get more touches this year. I'll be interested to see how much Jamari Austin cuts into this, but um, yeah, that one-two punch it's going to be real good, and, and they'll have a chance to make a statement early and show that you know they can be the building block of the team because. You know, they got off to a hot start last year, but a lot of that was the competition they played. Um, can Tank and Jarquez have – I mean, I think both of those guys had pretty good games against Penn State last year. Can they do that again? And then can they continue that when you play the LSUs and you play Missouri? And then, you know, obviously 
I have that backwards. But and then you play obviously Georgia, which will be really really difficult. Um, but you got to you got to build up that consistency. Tight end John Samuel Shanker, stunning, is going to be your returning starter at tight end. We've said it before a million times. Shanker's going to be the leader of this team. Have more snaps than any other skill position player at Auburn last season. Wouldn't be surprised if he did that again. Luke Deal as the number two. Interesting. We saw Fromm more in camp in that second role, but I do think Deal, his versatility as the as the top blocker at the position, and also the fact that he can play fullback probably gets him the nod there. Auburn's tight ends are going to be really good. It'll be interesting to see how much Fromm and Frazier get involved. Probably a redshirt season for Michael Riley Ducker, but the man, the the young man is gigantic. Anybody who has watched him can confirm. Um, it's kind of boring to talk about the tight ends this year because they brought pretty much everybody back, and uh, you kind of you know, they're coming off their best season ever, um, or maybe not ever, the best season under in a while at Auburn for that position group as a whole. But um, kind of like running back, keep on ticking the, those two, and they're going to be like running backs foundational to the identity of this team this year. All right, wide receivers. Shattered Jackson and Camden Brown at the X. This has been the one-two punch we have seen pretty much all fall camp. Um, Shattered Jackson is going to play and play a lot. He is your super senior. He's the most experienced guy on the team uh, at wide receiver. Camden Brown uh, is that dude. I'll point this out. And I think some people were asking, like, when I said, you know, Camden Brown brings size that Auburn doesn't really have at the position very much. Let me point this out. In the two deep, Chad Jackson, 6'2". Cannon Brown, 6'3". The other receivers listed, the other four receivers, 5'10", 5'10", 6'1", 6'1". Brown's just different physically. And and Chad's gotten bigger as well, but Cannon Brown's different physically. Um, I think even though he is the second string guy, I think Cannon Brown could end up being one of Auburn's top three receivers this year. Um, You know, top four. He, uh, he, he's got a lot of potential and, um, you know, needs to get more consistent with his hands, got to get more consistent with like his route running. A lot of the stuff a freshman receiver needs to get better at, obviously, but it says a lot that he's as a true freshman is in and in the two deep because I think he is the only one. No, JD rims on defense. I think he, I think that he's one of only two guys in the two deep that is a true freshman. It says a lot, it says a ton. And I know Auburn fans are excited about Cander Brown. And they should be. Uh, slot receiver, Tavares Dawson Jr. getting the nod over Javarius Johnson. This is interesting because this is the this is the lineup we saw more often in fall camp. Dawson over Johnson. But we heard a ton about Javarius Johnson. Not as much about Dawson in terms of being like a ton of plays in, in scrimmages. It'll be interesting to see how he comes up. But he was the talk of most of the offseason wide receiver. At the H spot, I think you can't go wrong with either of them. They're very similar kind of games. They're almost identical in size. Both of them 5'10", 160. Uh, Dawson's listed at 161. Johnson's listed at 160. But I think it does says, say something that the dude who's the redshirt freshman gets the nod over the junior. Uh, there, the junior who was the love of the offseason yep. last year. How, how likely is it that they get creative and are trying to put both those players out on the field at the same time? I think they can, but like it's it's gonna it's interesting because you almost always have a tight end on the field if you're Auburn, and you know you're gonna put one of these guys out wide if you're gonna put both of them on the field in that sense, unless you're gonna go four wide and kick the tight end out 
to the outside. Like it's it's they're gonna have to get creative. Um, I think what's more likely is that both of these guys kind of trade and 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 kind of come close to splitting it down the middle, or maybe one of them merges as, as the guy you want to count on more than the other. As as Harson said, you know, on Monday this is a week one depth chart, and this thing's a live document, and it will it will change and evolve over time for sure. Um, a lot of you asked on Monday on Twitter and elsewhere, where is Landon King? And I would like to point out um, that Landon King has been a slot receiver. He is not one of the top two slot receivers. He's also significantly different than two guys who are 5'10", 160. As, uh, as I've said a few times, well, I'll say it again, I think Landon King is going to be a guy who's going to be matchup dependent. He's going to be situationally dependent. He's going to play. I think the amount and the usage will vary, but this is going to play. Auburn has six receivers listed on this two deep. More than six will have to contribute for Auburn to be the passing offense they want to be. Landon King is going to be one of them. He's just like if you could create your own position, he would be it because he is not a normal slot receiver. He's not a tight end. He's also not an outside receiver. He's just going to be tall dude who goes and makes plays for you this year. But it might not be quite at the volume of some of these other guys, especially early on. So that's why you don't see him in the two deep. But that doesn't mean he's not going to contribute. There's going to be guys who aren't on this two deep that are going to contribute. We talked about Damari Austin just a second ago. That definitely is the case of why the other tight ends. Definitely is going to be the case with with him. Uh, finally, at Z, Malcolm Johnson Jr. getting the start. Not surprised there. Coy Moore listed as primary backup. Johnson's got uh, the experience advantage in this offense. Um, I think he's got the speed advantage. He can. He's more of a burner, more of a deep threat than Moore is. I think Moore is going to play a decent bit as well. I think all six of these guys are going to play a good bit. And, um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know how you feel, Painter. I saw some Auburn fans talk about it uh, when the depth chart came out. It said, you know, it's a little different to have six guys you're pretty excited about, seven if you count Landon King, that you are pretty that you feel pretty excited about heading into a season wide receiver because Auburn really hasn't had that. Now, a lot of it is unproven, but um, I think the hype's definitely there with these guys to a bigger degree than we've heard in the past from this unit. It is exciting now because I'm making the calculation that two to three of those players ought to be competent. It will be very depressing if we wind up in a similar situation to where we were last year. A hundred percent. You're right. I think it does feel like there's a bit of difference in how we've talked about wide receivers over the last couple of seasons in particular, because when we felt like there have been receiving threats for Auburn, it's been very clear. It's, it's this guy and it's maybe this guy. It's right. Darius Slayton and it's Seth Williams. It's Seth Williams and it's Anthony Schwartz. Whatever combination you want to do. Yeah. It's Ryan Davis. It's you know you can go back to Duke Williams. Like you know it's 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 one or the other usually most of the time. And I find it hard to believe that Auburn's going to have some guy that goes out there and puts up these gaudy numbers. But that's okay if they can get three four Everybody guys knows. with yeah. five hundred yard seasons that are reliable, getting open, making plays, whatever. Right. Right. I. Again, like I said earlier, I think this is the most improved group on the team, and uh, I think that is a testament to the hire Brian Harson made in getting uh, Ike Hilliard. And, and I think, again, these guys aren't going to turn into LSU or Ohio State or Alabama overnight at wide receiver, but I think this is a step in the right direction. I think this year could be a step forward for a unit that, as we've said before, Auburn didn't have a ton of history at the at the wide receiver spot. So 
you know, they're kind of they're kind of combating the uh, the history there a little bit. Offensive line, uh, Killian Zire is uh, your left tackle. Brennan Coffey behind him at left tackle. Coffey's gotten talked about a decent bit here in, at the end of fall camp. Uh, be interesting to see how much Auburn tries to get him on the field. Brandon Council locked in at left guard. They list Jeremiah Wright or Jaleel Irvin as the primary backup there at left guard. Um, Jeremiah Wright already back in the two deep. Moving back to offensive line is one, but seems settled with Brandon Council at left guard, which that was a question mark at some point. We've said it a plenty of times this offseason, Painter. Last two seasons, when Auburn's when Brandon Council's out there, Auburn's offensive line's been better. It's been a like a, a sizable difference when he's not out there. He's got to stay healthy, especially now when you don't have a guy like Nick Brahms out there anymore. Tate Johnson is going to be the guy who gets the nod at center. Uh, Jaleel Irvin also is getting reps there. Avery Jernigan, probably the primary backup there at center. Um, good luck, Tate Johnson. This is this is a tough spot to step into. Um, his teammates sound confident in him. His coaches sound confident in him. He's not the biggest uh, center in the world. He's 285. A little on the shorter end, though. i got to point that out. It's 6'4". Um, I was going to say, compared to the rest of the linemen who've bulked up, he is by far the the lightest. And they've had some slimmer guys do well on the offensive line in the past. Um, I want to say Casey Dunn wasn't that big. Uh, I could be wrong there. Uh, but uh, a guy that has, I believe, wrestling. It's either wrestling or powerlifting experience. Maybe both. Um Play stronger than his size, according to everybody. He said quick. I think the quickness is going to be the big thing with him. You know, Auburn Auburn has had a hard time recently with their zone blocking. Where in zone blocking you do combos and you try to peel off, go to the sec- get to the second level um, off the double teams. They've had a hard time getting to that second level quickly enough uh, these last couple seasons on the offensive line. Can a quicker dude like Tate Johnson be the difference maker? I think that's kind of like the if Auburn's offensive line looks better this year with Tate, with Tate Johnson there as opposed to when Nick Brahms was there, I think the difference might be the fact that he can get up there quicker as a quicker guy. The intrigue comes at right guard. Uh, Keandre Jones or Cam Stutz. Who would have thought that Keandre Jones would have been an or at this point on the offseason? Now, Jones did miss some time in fall camp with an injury and also – it's a testament to, to Cam Stutz. Cam Stutz has had a whale of an offseason, and I think this is signifying that Auburn is going to try to use both of them maybe early on, see who separates themselves, see who separates themselves in the practice, maybe in the games as well. I think it also just shows Stutz is going to be your next man up at the interior line. If you think it's Council and Jones locking it down, returning starters at guard, Stutz is going to be a guy they have to turn to at some point, and they might get him ready for that with actual game reps. Really good progress this season from Cam Stutz. Again, you can read more about that in the Observer on Tuesday, which is today. Uh, Austin Troxel and Alec Jackson at right tackle, rounding it out. Troxel is another guy. Ton of injuries. If he stays healthy, it's the healthiest he's been in a while. Can he actually, you know, build off of that this year? And 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 um, I think. I think the, the the right side of that line looks pretty – could be pretty fearsome in run blocking, especially with Jones, and I think Stutz also has that potential as well. And like I've said with with Tate Johnson, maybe the difference with Cam Stutz is a dude who can get out there quicker and help you in the run blocking game. The fact that he's got a chance to be a starter, I think, based on what we heard from Will Friend, shows you that he might be in that, that ballpark. 
Uh, general thoughts before we take a break on the offensive line. Nothing that I don't think we've already discussed at this point. I'm curious to see if Stutz actually has what it takes to overtake Jones. I doubt it. Like if I'm taking my stab in the dark now, once we've played our 12-game regular season, I presume Jones will get the majority of those starts. It's nice to know that there's an option there that's probably comparable. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think this line, again, can they can they make a difference in run blocking? Because that's where the, the improvement has to come. They were decent in pass protection last year. Not great, but decent. And the big problem was, was run blocking. And it's a new combination. It's going to be a new... It's going to be different than what we thought it was going to be heading into this year with all the experience coming back. And it's like, can the new blood or the newer blood uh, make any difference? Like, a, even as simple as a guy like Killian Zara being a full-time starter, like, how much difference does that make? Uh, because, man, he has been he's been the top left tackle pretty much all, camp, uh, all off season. Like, going back to spring, he was locked in there, and he's gotten a ton of reps because he has not had the injury issues that some of these other guys have had on the line. All right. Now that we're 50-something minutes into this podcast and still have another half of the ball to go, let's take care of some business. We did talk about this earlier, so I won't belabor the point too, too much here, but AuburnObserver.com. If you like this podcast and you want more of it, you want Friends of the Program with Dave, Pablo, and Painter, you want all of the newsletters, you want the preview podcast in season uh, that come out uh, on Thursdays and fr- or Fridays, AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year. You can also give us a seven-day free trial. Check us out. See if you like us. Uh, everything we do gets emailed straight to your in, your inbox so you can read and listen on your own time. You don't have to go to a website or anything like that if you don't want to. We also have an app. Download the Substack app and link your uh, accounts there. Um, a lot of cool stuff uh, in the works, so stay tuned uh, on that front. Painter, uh, people can help us out with that, but they can also help us out for free. Whether you're a subscriber or not, let them know. Y'all have been giving us your money. Don't stop doing that. We love it, folks. Uh, Also, rating, reviewing, and subscribing is free. That's huge. Please rate, review, subscribe. One more time. It's 20 seconds of time. Rate, review, subscribe. I don't care where you do it, but rate, review, and subscribe. Yeah, we haven't had a a new review in a while. So if if you're new to us, here's what you do. If you... Go to Apple Podcasts and you write a review. Give us five stars. Say something nice. We will read it and shout you out on the podcast because we're A, we're vain people, and B, we like to give back to you uh, and shout y'all out because y'all have been very, very kind with your your time. And, uh, yeah, you can check us out there. You can give us five stars on Spotify, and I think that's it in terms of ratings at the moment. But uh, if we find out more, we'll let you know. So thanks for doing that. Also, another thing you can do is visit our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Folks, the good brand continues to provide. um, I know one of you who's listening to this podcast, at least one, is a fan of the Indianapolis Colts, and you know who you are. Um, Homefield just did a drop with the Colts, which is really, really cool, and uh, they had some awesome stuff for uh, everyone's favorite blue uh, horse team. And, uh, but 
it's that time of year. You're going to want to get your home field apparel for the season. You're going to want to gear up. You're going to get the most comfortable T-shirts in the world. Painter, I'm wearing a one of my Youngstown State shirts right now. It's great design. Um, but if you want Auburn stuff, there's plenty of stuff here. And like I said, I'm going to randomly pick a, a product each week to shout out. And last week it was the 1957 National Champions uh, T-shirt. This week, in honor of the start of football season, we're going to go with... We're going to go with the reason football season exists, and that is for Painter's Twitter avatar, and that is the side-eyed Aubie in the sailor hat. It's the best. Uh, he's got a smirk on his face, looking a little, looking a little faded maybe. Um, he's nine beers you, deep at the tailgate. It's only 11-15. We're having fun, folks. If you want to show that you're having a good time and you're supporting your Auburn Tigers, it's a great Heather Gray T-shirt. Uh, with with Albie, he's got the side eye. It's a beautiful look. You can also get that on a hoodie, which is great. Their hoodies are wonderful. Uh, a gray hoodie there. Um, so wh- whichever way you want to go, homefieldapparel.com. Check them out. It's fifteen percent off your first order if you use the promo code Observer when you check out. So shout out to Connor and the gang up in Indy, and uh, we appreciate them and their support of the show. And uh, I think they said they are going to be releasing, you know, Big New Saturday's done, but they'll be releasing more designs here throughout football season. So keep an eye out for those. Keep an eye out for those. All right. Let's jump into defense. Let's jump into the defense side of the ball. Try not to take as much time as we did with the first one because this could end up being a really, really long podcast. But defense, I will say this, defense is pretty much as we thought it was going to be. Um so, here we go. Derek Hall, Dylan Brooks as the rush end. I will point this out. Defensive end, the edges have been split up this year. Auburn is showing a 3-4 look. And also, if they want to do 2-4-5, like, you know, this 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 lineup shows, like, the true versatility of this, of this defensive front. The rush ends, Derek Hall and Dylan Brooks. The stud ends, which I remember um, was – a terminology they used at um, Boise State. So that would make sense with Jeff Schmetting taking charge. Eculiota and then the uh, transfer from Western Kentucky, Marcus Bragg. If Derek Hall and Eculiota stay healthy, Painter, it's going to be uh, it's going to be some pretty big seasons for them. I, I wrote about them last week. Um, the pass rush should be quite good if Auburn can get home. Those dudes have to stay healthy. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot of pressure on it on a Dylan Brooks or a Marcus Bragg to contribute at this level, which they just have not done yet. I'm an Auburn fan walking into Biloxi, the most beautiful place to do gambling in America. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, uh, sweet, sweet Biloxi, where, what kind of money can I get for the Eculiota, uh Derek Hall? sack over under where are we setting the over under if you're taking my money and you are Biloxi wow that's a great question well we'll we'll point this out as I as I wrote a couple times this offseason Auburn's sack total between those two guys last season was 16 now why is that significant 16 is the most sacks by a pair of Auburn teammates since Nick Fairley and Antoine Carter had 16 in the 2010 season so 16 is a lot um, I, I, I don't want to say 20 
because twenty's a lot, uh, and you know that would put that put a lot of pressure on these guys. If they did sixteen last year, I'm gonna say I'll put the over under at seventeen and a half, and I think it's like I think everybody expects them to be better. Or I mean, if they just equal what they did last season, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good pass rushing total. I'll say seventeen and a half. Maybe eighteen and a half if you want to get get spicy. Um, yeah, that'd be where I would set my over under, and I, I could lean over. Like I think these guys are going to be in for for a really fun season together. But I guess if you get to eighteen, unless they split it evenly at nine and nine, somebody's going to get double digit sacks. And as we know, Auburn has not had a guy get double digit sacks in a season since Jeff Holland in twenty seventeen. So, pretty big numbers from those guys if they stay healthy. Defensive end Colby Wooden, and then. One of the surprises of camp, not surprising that he made the two deep because he's a he's a veteran transfer, but the way people have talked about him has been really, really fun to to hear. Uh Morris Joseph Jr., uh, the Memphis transfer, six two, two eighty one. Um, I think a lot like Colby Wooden in the fact that um he is versatile. You can move him around the line, probably quicker than most people give him credit for on the interior. Also appreciated Brian Harson saying that Colby Wooden doesn't get enough credit. I 100% agree that Colby Wooden might be one of the most underrated players in the SEC this year, uh, and uh, I think he'll show that in, in due time. But really good group of defensive ends. Zachavius Walker would be here, I think, in this group, maybe an or or something. Zachavius Walker will miss the start of the season. Um, he had his knee scoped rather recently. He has been out at practice uh, recently. Um, if you are at the open practice, you did not see him out there. Um, or he was out in street clothes, if I remember correctly. Um, that's why I think, uh, but Brian Hartson seems to believe that he'll be back in, in the rotation, uh, sooner rather than later. Nose tackle, Jason Jones, the biggest defensive lineman in Auburn football history, six six three twenty eight, uh, big 99 at nose tackle Marquise Burks, who we haven't talked about a ton this off season. He bulked up, uh, and he's going to be that primary backup nose tackle. You know, last season, Auburn really just had Tony fair, at, tr- at a true nose position. Didn't have a ton of depth behind him. Now you get Jason Jones to plug in. Very athletic. I think he's going to be an upgrade from what you got in Tony Fair in terms of using him maybe in deeper uh, passing situations, deeper downs. Uh, and then Marquis Burks has a ton of experience coming back. Really good two deep there. And then rounding out the defensive line, Marcus Harris, a defense tackle back for another year. And then Thanos making the two deep, Jeffrey Embaugh, 6'6", 313. My word. Another large human being. Um, that defensive front for Auburn again: Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, Jason Jones, Marcus Harris, Akuliota, your quote-unquote starters. Dylan Brooks, Morris Joseph, Marquise Burks, Jeffrey Embaugh, Marcus Bragg behind him. There's five dudes on that def- the Half of that defensive front has not played at Auburn yet. And as Jason Caldwell pointed out uh, to Brian Harson on Monday, they're going to want to get those guys in early and often, especially these first two games getting them that, those reps so they can be counted on when they get really challenging against the likes of Penn State in the SEC opener. I'm absolutely begging the offense to put the defense in reasonable positions. If they can do that. This this defense should be pretty good, uh-huh. and, I've, and I've been on that train for a while now, um, but that defensive front. If those guys stay healthy, that first five is fearsome. Uh, if Jason Jones can be who we think he can be and Marcus Harris steps up as a pass rusher, Hall, Wooden, and Leota are dudes and, like, potential NFL guys. So, you, you'd like to see that. Linebacker. Only two linebackers, you remember, uh, in this system on the inside. Owen Papo and Cam Riley. 
coming through as your starters. Wes Steiner as the backup to Owen Papo. I think he's interchangeable. I think he's going to play a good bit, uh, and you will probably see that uh, on uh, on Saturdays. And then, Painter, Eugene Asante, who I don't think anyone's surprised to see in the two deep after he's had a really good camp, uh, but also the newest scholarship member of the Auburn Tigers, Jake Levant, who we saw with the two deep at times in fall camp making plays and looking like he belongs out there. He's in the two deep as well. So Jake Levant getting some love from the staff uh, in the two deep. Inside linebacker is your biggest question mark for Auburn. Cam Riley's huge. Owen Papo, if healthy, is really good. Wes Steiner has the potential to break out. But it's a lot of inexperience, and you're replacing guys in Jacoby McClain and Chandler Wooten played a lot of football, a lot of football. Uh, if Auburn's defense is not as good as expected this season, this will be the point that you will probably point to uh, as why. But a lot of quiet confidence in that crew, especially Riley and Steiner taking that step up. What do you think about your linebackers heading into the season? I am thrilled about Papo. I know that there are some concerns, at least from a corner of the fan base, about like, well, he was a five-star. What have we really gotten out of him? He missed three-quarters of the season, which isn't his fault. Sure, nonetheless, I feel like there's almost uh, this feeling of disappointment, and him and Nick's came in at the same time. And so, you know, Nick's career is what it is. Papo has been a good player for Auburn, but I think – because he was a five-star, because he broke all these records, there's this lingering question about, well, is he just a good player or is he going to excel to a level unlike most? And at least the way he's talked about in terms of preparation, uh, it seems like they've called him the quarterback on the field, which I know it's cliche, but look, he's linebacker. And if if he's every bit as smart and athletic as I believe he is, I think Auburn fans will get what they want. The the Cam Riley thing's fun. You wrote about it. He's massive. Uh, we needed that. We needed someone else uh, to to step up, regardless of even even if he wasn't going to be a starter. We just needed that. Uh, so I feel so much better about what's anchoring the defense than I did back, say, in like May. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I would agree as well. A lot of good reviews about Riley and Steiner. If Papo's back to being Papo of old. He's a really good college linebacker. May not be the five-star, may not be first-round pick that people were talking about coming out of high school. Again, injuries will affect that a lot. But um, that's definitely a leader that you have down the middle. Not very many people have ever been a captain twice at Auburn, and he he got that honor. And and he may not be the NFL player I hoped he would blossom into by, say, like last year, where I was hoping, like, hey, take off junior year, we ride – you go off into the sunset. So maybe that timeline doesn't work out. Maybe it's a year later. Maybe he's just not ever the NFL player I'd hope he'd become. But Auburn is – Auburn's a program filled with guys who didn't have stellar NFL careers but were very, very good college players. Do I want yeah. more of those very good NFL players? Of course. That's how you get closer sure. to a championship. But sure. we've made it work with really good college players. You made it work really well at linebacker with Deshaun Davis and Zacoby McClain. And I think Owen might have a little bit bigger NFL future than those guys. Maybe. Depending on what the league sees in him and how well he comes back from his injury this year. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, secondary, no nickel listed. Um, so, uh, keep that in mind. I'll I'll uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen Simpson, you're starting two cornerbacks. Wow. Stunning information. I don't think we would have ever saw, seen that coming. 
those are your guys. Everybody knew they were going to be your guys. DJ James listed as the only backup to Simpson. And then on the other side, Keontae Scott or J.D. Rim. I think you're going to see both of those guys play some nickel this year. Keontae Scott, incredible fall camp for him. Dude who came in later than anybody else on the roster and has already carved out a spot in the 2-deep. He's a baller. He makes plays. You're going to see him on special teams. You're going to see him in sub packages. You're going to see him as a primary backup at corner. Dude's going to play a lot. J.D. Rim, like I said earlier, one of only two true freshmen on this two deep. So that says a lot about, uh, at least on offense and defense, that says a lot about where Auburn views him right now. Uh, D.J. James, I think, is your third corner, and you're going to see him. I mean, there's going to be so much mixing and matching going back there. But Pritchett and Simpson locking it down. And then you've got dudes. Like, the development of dudes that you feel comfortable in for a secondary that lost a lot and brought in a lot. Zach Etheridge, I think, and the staff is, uh, the staff on defense has done a good job of getting those guys ready. Safety, Donovan Kaufman and Zion Puckett are back there. Kaufman listed as the starter. Might see him, probably will see him more at nickel than true safety, but interesting to see if Keontae Scott or Rim or maybe even DJ James plays in that, that role. If Coffin's more of your nickel, I would expect Caden Bridges, his primary backup there, to step up and be the starter uh, or the primary safety. Pocket locked in. You knew where he was going to be. That's his role. Um, that's some. Those are two big safeties back there for Auburn. I mean, Coffin's not very big, but those are two big safeties in Pocket and Bridges if you're the guy. Another big safety, uh, Craig McDonald, uh, who is 6'2", 204. He is a co-backup with Puckett. Uh, to puck it with Marquise Gilbert. I think all those guys play. I think kind of like a wide receiver. The guys you see listed on the two deep, those are going to be your dudes you lean on. Um, and then if you have to go deeper, you've got the depth. But that's who's going to emerge, I think. And that's, you know, that's eight guys. That's eight guys. I mean, I'm sorry, that's ten guys in the secondary um, that I think will be your primary primary options back there. So good reloading job. They're going to get tested. I don't think these, the secondary wasn't bad last year by any means. They had some really good games. They also had some not good games. Can, in year two of a similar system, can they develop that consistency that they need? Because Pritchett, if you can keep Pritchett on the outside, right? And I think if you can also keep Kaufman at safety maybe a little bit more than you probably expected in the nickel, I think you feel really good about Auburn's chances. Um, but that's dependent on how Scott and Rim and some of those guys step up at nickel. But you know, we heard about Craig McDonald playing dime. Like, there's gonna be a lot of flexibility, a lot of versatility back there, like we saw last season. It's just can they be cons- consistent? Because the same secondary who had some really awesome games last season were also the ones that had some really bad games, like Penn State and and, and Mississippi State last season. Well, watching the Penn State, I rewatched it over the weekend, and it was tough to chalk that up to a loss. Uh, and in part, the secondary, you know, they did, they played a part in that. Um, it kept them in a bunch of games as well. Obviously, I don't really know what to say about Mississippi State. That one's beyond me. Yeah, it dudes were, I don't know, the coverage. I still have yet to figure out what happened in that game uh, in that sense. Uh, secondary sounds pretty, sounds like it's a pretty solid. Um, the depth there, again, I'm if the linebackers can hold up, I think Auburn's got a chance to be a really good defense uh, this season and um, improve on what they did last year and then you do that, run the ball, and you have a consistent passing game, take a step forward in the passing game, it's a team that can exceed expectations. Uh, I do not look at this I do not look at this depth chart and say, wow, Auburn just doesn't have talent, or wow, Auburn doesn't have depth, and uh, it's going to be hard. Now, they're going to play some teams with more talent, and they're going to play some teams with more depth, 
but they're going to play a lot of teams that are a lot more on their level, and it's just going to be a matter of, you know, those 10, 15, 20 plays, those coaching decisions, whatever you want to call it, that separate teams like that. I've um, called it a 10-game season at times this offseason because I've chalked up the Georgia and Alabama games as losses. Uh, I, in some ways, I view it as a five-game season. I mean, I look at Penn State and LSU, and then obviously you've got Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State. All teams either I would, count Missouri, I would count Missouri in there as well. They, and that is one I think it's more my paranoia that as time has gone on, I've gotten increasingly nervous about it because yeah. – who knows? It's wedged in between two pivotal games for you, et cetera. Um, so fine, yeah, throw them in there. I like when I look at those five or six teams, though. I'm going either you're as good lining them up on paper or better. In in the case of Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State, and I just don't know what to do with LSU's talent because there is right. talent, but you got the first year coach. There was a lot of roster turnover. I mean, you know. God, the thing, I, when I look at the defense, we, it, it, it does get me excited. I go, yeah, there's a chance that they could do really well in that five, six game there's, matchup. There's, there's a, there's a decent number of NFL draft picks on that defense. That's the bottom line. Now, offense, guys yeah. are gonna have to develop yeah. and get get outside of tank and a couple other like they're gonna have to develop and get ready in a hurry. But, um, yeah, we we said it recently. It's like a lot of those teams you just mentioned. You would either like Auburn's talent more than they do or it's about on equal playing field it's just the the most important position on the field quarterback they got they got it a little bit more or a lot more consistent a lot more stable situation there and that's why you know auburn's picked to finish lower than teams that are not as talented as them on paper yeah and football's not played on paper and again auburn lost a lot of winnable games last year a lot of a lot of close games a lot of one possession games and you know, that sticks in the mind of a lot of people, especially when you talk about a coaching staff that's been under fire. But yeah, I don't look at this I don't look at this too deep and say, Well, you know, this is a bad football team. This is a football team that's gonna struggle to make a bowl. I look at it as this is a team that's got potential to really, you know, exceed expectations, but it's also volatile at some of the key positions on the field on offense and you know if the if the quarterback play, if the passing game isn't improved, you know that can't cover up. You know you can't cover that up as as well as you can some other spots on the field. So, all right, special teams, real quickly. Um, Andres Carlson is your starting kicker. Alex McPherson is your backup. Uh, the question was asked if Andres was going to do kickoff duties. Uh, Harson said, uh, "Yeah, if he wants to." Uh, he's kind of in charge of that uh, more than he is. Um, it's just going to be about what well, he's comfortable. Conference, it seems. Very, very lighthearted from Hartson. He's cracking jokes, man. Uh, Anders Carlson um, was taking a lot of first kickoff duties. Maybe, maybe it's McPherson, but I could also see the value in wanting them wanting to redshirt McPherson. I also wonder. This is just me thinking out loud and not putting too much pressure on a kid. I also wonder if Alex McPherson is as good as his brother is, or if he's in the neighborhood as good as his brother is. If you redshirt him, you might not get. You yeah, know, that was my thought. It's like, what if he yeah. just leaves? Yeah, what if he has three or maybe just two good years and just says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm out." What if I go uh, make a million dollars? So would you? It's like the Greg Robinson situation uh, from a few years back, over a decade back now at this point. Um, God, or is that right? Yes, yeah, insane. Um, oh, Jesus. Uh, 
and like, do you want to get some value in him right now? And just say, <laughs> but then again, then again, you have to weigh that. Is you want to burn a red shirt year? If he does stay, hang around, you want to burn a red shirt year on kickoffs, which I mean, if he bangs them all out of the back of the end zone, you're fine with that. Um, and if it and if it helps out Carlson's, you know, stamina, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It but does seem like. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know it seems funny to bring up stamina for a kicker, but his brother, like, here's, here's his brother, legitimately ran out of gas yeah, uh, his freshman, that freshman year. Yeah. Here's an interesting note. Alex McPherson is listed as the backup punter too. Yeah. And Auburn's got some walk-on punters, but uh, obviously Oscar Chapman, the guy there. But um, I saw a picture of McPherson that was sort of stunning, like the flexibility and balance. I think, I think, yeah, I think Justin Hogan's tweeted that out. I think if if that's the one you're you're thinking of, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I, I think Andre said it's like it's just a completely different kicking style, man. Like the flexibility and the like. Puts, I mean, he's five eight. I'm sorry, five nine. Sorry. Yes, one, my king. I like him even more now. Five nine, one fifty. Um, and if you're gonna hit, you know, he's hitting fifty something yarders in in the open practice the other day. You're out to put put everything. It's not like Anders Carlson where if you're six five two fifteen, it's just like oh, just stick nice, your leg out. <laughs> just a nice easy swing. Um, his is like I'm gonna have to murder this ball, but it works. It works out. Oscar Chapman also your holder this year. Um, that is a trade. job that makes me so nervous because I yeah, really yeah. only ever think about it in close game scenarios. Good, good thing though for Oscar Chapman, a guy who's used to handling the ball from his days in, in Aussie rules, and obviously ca- he catches all the punts. <laughs> you know, there's no holder for punts. He's catching all those snaps, albeit from a different angle um, or different length. Uh, Trey Lindsay, the backup there, a walk-on quarterback, long snapper. Jacob Quattlebaum back for another year. Kyle Vaccarella uh, and Reed Hughes are your backups there. So Auburn's got depth if something happens to Quattlebaum. Punt returner, Javarius Johnson and Keontae Scott listed as your punt returner. I thought from the Saturday practice it looked very obvious that Javarius Johnson was going to be the guy at punt returner. They've worked some other dudes. Keontae Scott, though, is another one that's interesting um, that they've worked here towards the end of camp um, and – interesting to see which direction Auburn goes there. If it, They're both listed as starters. I don't know if that's an accident in the bolding because you only have one punt returner, but maybe not. Both of them wear number six as well, so I'm sure that'll be confusing for uh, teams trying to scout that out. Uh, Keontae's the bigger one, obviously. Uh, two, two inches taller, 25 pounds heavier. Kick returner, Jarquez Hunter, Nehemiah Pritchett rolling in through the other year. I think they're not going to chance it with Tank um, as valuable as he is to this team. Hunter obviously has that breakaway speed. Nehemiah Pritchett obviously has breakaway speed as well. They he is largely to, viewed as the there. fastest player on the team. Is that? Yeah, I would love to see what between him and Chick, Tavares Dawson. I wonder wonder what the wonder that what that would look like. But yeah, those are two speedsters on the back end there, and big play guys. We know Jarquez Hunter can bust a big play um, with what he does as a as a ball carrier. So there's your special teams unit. Um, if Carlson if Carlson's back to Pre last year, last year was so weird for him. He obviously had the injury, but before that, he was very inconsistent. His worst numbers of the year, he was having to kick in some really tough spots for some long distances. If he can be back to like what he was as earlier in his career, you know, uh, I think Auburn's got a chance to you know, have a really good special teams unit and look field position and uh, getting all the little hidden yards and the and the and the 
the um, the bonus points <laughs> that you can pull off if you have a good special teams uh, unit. It's going to be very helpful for a team that's going to have to like they're not going to be able to just sit back and say, well, we'll just win with our offense. You know, that's not going to be the mo of this team this year. So special teams is going to be huge, and obviously Brian Arson takes it very very seriously. A lot of guys you're going to see on special teams that are in this too deep when it comes to coverage blocking. All that good stuff, but that is your depth chart. Like I said, think there is a think there's a eight win, nine, maybe even a nine win football team in there if things break right. But things got to definitely break right at quarterback. It's the most important position on the field. That's why they list it first on the depth chart. And uh, the offensive line is still as much of a question mark, if not bigger, than what we had at this point last year. So there we go. Final thoughts on your on your depth chart? Anything else you want to add? Before we wrap it up. Nothing better than seeing the depth chart and convincing yourself that this is the year. Yeah, somebody pointed out, it's like, hey, the guy who beat Alabama wasn't in the two deep at quarterback, so that should show you something about Auburn's depth this year. And it's like, oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's, some, that's some real deal spin zone. Uh, it's, that's one of, the, it's one of the best spin zones I've ever seen, uh, I have to say. Um, all right, so. Like we said at the beginning of the show, the preview podcast for the Mercer game where we talk about the matchup and some more insight on week one, um, that will come out on Thursday morning. So stay tuned for that. There will be newsletters throughout the week, mailbag on Friday. Plenty of coverage, obviously, on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, Painter will not be back for the next free podcast. But uh, we, we, will call, guest. we will call in the sub. Uh, and uh, that sub will recap the Auburn Mercer game with me, and so we hope to, hope to see you virtually there. That's not how podcasts work, but you know what I mean. AuburnObserver.com again, six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year. Uh, we're coming up on year three. Thursday is the anniversary. We'll talk more about that in the next podcast uh, for our subscribers. But I appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you getting us this far, and we're looking forward to doing a whole lot more. That's it. Painter, final thoughts. School spirit. School spirit. Alpha number. Alpha step. Omega step. Kappa step. Sigma step. Gangsters walk. Pimps gon' talk. Ooh, heck you know that boy is raw. AKA step. Delta step. SGO step. Zeta step. Gangsters walk. Pimps gon' talk, ooh, heck you know, that boy is raw. I'ma get on this TV, mama, I'ma, I'ma put this down. I'ma make sure these light skins again never, ever, never come back in style. Told them I finished school and I started my own business. They say, oh, you graduated. No, I decided I was finished chasing y'all dreams and what you got planned. Now I spit it so hot, you got tan. Back to school and I hate it there, I hate it there. Everything I want, I gotta wait a year, I wait a year. Graduated at the top of our class. I went to Cheesecake, he was up for the mother and waited there.